Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, um, We've uh, been in Romans now for a couple of months. In chapter 1, we saw up until verse 16, the Gospel portrayed. And how the Gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Both to the Jew first and then to the Greek. And uh, starting at verse 17 in chapter 1, there, there is a, a turn to talk about our sin. And this, this section here that's talking about our sin is kind of long. It started back whenever we were in chapter 1, verse 17, and it goes into the middle of chapter 3. And so we are, we are here spending several, several weeks talking about our sin. And, and all of us, you know, we just love that, don't we? We want to hear about our sin, right? No. No. But we need to hear about our sin. Because without our understanding of sin, we don't know why we need the Gospel. Paul here lets us know why we need the Gospel. It's because we're sinners. And because our condition in our sin was desperate. We needed Jesus to come and save us. And there was no other way. Today we're looking at the impartiality of God. Last week, the last verse we looked at was, for God shows no partiality. And the reason why we looked at, uh, why, why that verse was there, it was to ground the fact that, that uh, God will render to each one according to their works, both to the Jew and to the Greek. Um, Paul here has, is having a kind of a, 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 an argument with a, an arguing partner where, where the arguing partner was listening to him talk about the sins of the Gentiles. And the sins of the Gentiles including all kinds of manner of things. And we talked about those for a couple of weeks. And, and, and in his arguing partner, we, we, re, we recall, uh, could say, Amen, Paul. Preach it to him. Yeah, you go. Until Paul said, what are you preaching? What are you uh, complimenting me for? I'm talking about you. <laughs> right? He says, you're jud- you are uh, condemned because the same thing you're judging the other people for, you're doing. This, he says this to the legalistic Jews. And what Paul said last week in our passage is that God's justice, His judgment, is not based on uh, any kind of favoritism. There's no favoritism in God that like the Jews can get in, uh, but Gentiles, sorry, too bad. No, uh, He doesn't play any favorites when it comes to race, ethnicity, uh, any kind of thing like that. He doesn't pay, play, play any favorites when it comes to socioeconomic status, to color, to any other thing. God judges impartially. 
And so what we look at today, the beginning in verse 12, is an explanation, a further explanation of the fact that God judges impartially. That God's justice is a righteous justice, that it is, it is uh, equitable. We'll start in verse 12 and I'll, I'll read through verse 16. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law by the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what is what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, help us this morning to understand this text. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand and obey and embrace what Your Word says. We know that one day we will stand before the judgment. And each one of us will give an account. And Lord, every secret that we have will be open and exposed before Your righteous gaze. Lord, help us hear this Word and be nourished by it to help prepare our hearts for that day. Lord, we love You in Jesus' name. Amen. He begins, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Paul Last week we we said he he said God shows no partiality. Uh, he will judge uh, based on what someone does. It says in in the last in last week's text says he will render to each one according to his works. To those who do good. They will receive eternal life and glory and honor. And to those who do not do good works, um, they will receive tribulation and distress and fury and wrath. And, and we ask ourselves, how can this be? How, how can we make sense of this? Uh, because we know we sin. I mean, doesn't the Gospel say that it's not about our works. It's about um, 
Trusting in Jesus that we, He forgives what we've done? How can this be? If God judges based on what we do, how can anyone stand? And Paul here is giving us an explanation here. Um, for First of all, of course he says, those with the law will perish without the law. Yeah, those without the law will perish without the law. Thank you, Josh. The standard by which they are judged will not be with regard to the law. And those who have the law, it says, those who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Uh, it's not as if there will be two different standards, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles, or one who have the Bible and one to, for those who don't. There isn't two standards, no. Uh, but there will be a, a kind of accounting here. I, I believe that whenever God judges us on one day, we will be accountable for what we know. The Jews had the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, and so they had this, this privilege of, of knowing God's special revelation, His revealing Himself in the Bible, and, and so that there was a kind of a benefit to that. And so, because they had the law, they would be judged on, by, by that standard. And for those who did not have the law, Paul here is saying in verse 12, They'll be judged apart from the law, or they'll perish without the law. That is, they'll be held accountable to what they do know. And we already know that in chapter 1, Paul said that each one of us, by just seeing nature, the creation itself, the glory of God is, is, is declared by... Well, the heavens declare the glory of God, we see in the Psalms. Nature itself testifies that God exists, that He is there. Uh, there's, everyone is born with a, with a, a pre-existing knowledge that God exists. And, and Paul said in chapter 1, we suppress that truth in unrighteousness. So even though one, um, one may not have the Bible, one may not have a special revelation from God that, that comes through His Word, they still don't live up to the revelation they do have through nature. And so those who don't have the law will perish without the law. God's not going to say to people on that judgment day, look at this, you didn't do this, who never had the Bible. Right? He's not going to go to, to Gentiles who never, uh, who never had the Bible uh, so maybe somebody on a, on a deserted island somewhere with nobody around, no missionaries ever, received, ever, ever came to them. He's never, not going to come to them with the Bible and say, look at this. Look at this verse. You didn't do that. No, He's going to judge them based on the standard that they have, based on the knowledge that they have. But even the knowledge we have, according to nature, is still enough to condemn us. Verse 13, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Now, first of all, what he's saying here is it's not 
there's, again, he's saying there's not some special privilege for having the Bible. There's not some special privilege uh, that, that, that we have the Bible, that we, we he, come and hear the, the Word of God. Because we can come and hear every week, we can come and hear uh, the preaching of God's Word, we can read our Bibles, and if we don't go and do it, that doesn't do us any good. It's not just hearing the Word that gives us any benefit. It says it's the doing of it. Those who do the, 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 work, the, uh, the law will be justified. Now, this, this may be troublesome to us. Especially, you know, this is a difficult passage. Because what does the Gospel say? None of us can obey the law perfectly. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard. And let's take particular notice of the very next chapter in verse 20. By the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Let me read that again. Chapter 3, verse 20 says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Let's go back to the verse we're just looking at. For it is not the hearers of the law who are justified, who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Does that contradict? It almost sounds like it contradicts, but I don't think it's a contradiction. Let me explain what I mean here. As we looked at it last week, when I when I explained it last week, we we. Uh, and so I know many of you were not here last week. The, the deeds that we do are not the basis of how we are received by God. It's not the basis. It's not the, it's not the reason why we're received by God, why we're forgiven. Our works are the evidence that we have been forgiven. And so when we look here at verse uh, chapter 3, Verse 20, it says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. By the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Let me switch that around and make it clear. No human being will be justified in his sight by the works of the law. That means it's not the works that are the thing that justifies us. On the other hand, here, it says in the verse we're looking at, verse 13, it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous, but the doers of the law who will be justified. But in verse 13 here, nowhere does it say the basis for that justification. It's saying who the people are who are going to be justified. I hope that makes sense. So in verse 13, what we have is... it. The people who do the works of the law are the same people who will be justified. But that's not the reason for their justification. Their justification is because they were, by grace, they were saved through faith. That's the, the, the justification, that's the, the, the basis of their justification. We are saved by believing on Christ, by trusting in Him, by trusting that His death on the cross paid for our sins, 
And those who believe that, who truly believe that, will then work. Will then do the works of the law. Now, what do we mean by the works of the law? Well, I don't think it means perfectly obeying the law. Because none of us do that. We've already established that. None of us do that perfectly. We need Jesus. We need Him to forgive us. None of us... uh, uh, There is none righteous. No, not one. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I think what it means that we do the works of the law is that we love the law. We love what God has said is right and good. And when we sin, we hate our sin. We love God and we want to turn from our sin. We feel sorrow, genuine sorrow for our sin. And we want to follow Him. I think it's more about the heart condition. The one who does the works of the law is not the one who perfectly measures out every single little detail and follows every single rule. The one who does the works of the law is the one who runs from their sin, who repents. Just think, I don't think this is a foreign concept that's just here. It's just right here. It's also, we see it in the Psalms. In Psalm 32, it says that uh, um, how blessed is the one whose sin is covered. And that Psalm goes on to distinguish the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous, it's one whose sin is covered, whose transgression is forgiven. So, in verse 13, what we see here, I think, is the, if we are truly saved, if we have true faith in Jesus, very much like what James says, we, true faith works. We will be changed. Our attitude towards our sins will be different. We will become repentant. And we will long for Him. Verse 14. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law... By nature, do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they have no law. Now here, Paul here is describing the, the idea that, that Gentiles who don't have the law, okay? People, just imagine, I mean, we, don't, we don't have the whole Jew-Gentile um, uh, distinction that they had in the New Testament era. Here, we, you know, we, we, we have people who have the Bible, People who hear the Word of God and and people who don't. Uh, And so even people who never have heard the Bible, who've never never read it, who who have have hardly any contact at all with the church or anything like that, sometimes those people do what is good just by nature. Verse Verse 14, For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires. They are law to themselves, even though they have no law. So I think what Paul here is saying is, and he expounds on this further in the next verse, 
Um, what Paul here is saying is, is that um, we have innately inside of us uh, a, a sense of right and wrong, a conscience. We know what right and wrong is. And we don't have to become a Christian in order to understand what right and wrong is. Now, our, our sense of right and wrong, our conscience may be warped. Especially since we live in a culture that is extremely warped. Our sense of right and wrong may not be, may not be accurate sometimes. But we have one. Because we're created in the image of God. God made us for a relationship with Him. And on the basis of, of that, we sometimes, even, if, even people who are not Christians, do what is right. The world is not full of mass murderers. There are plenty. But there are some moral people who don't know God. And I think Paul acknowledges this here. That morality won't save them. The only thing that will save them is the blood of Jesus and forgiveness through Him. But we have to be honest, there are people who are not Christians who live upright, moral lives. They're nice people. You might like to have them as your neighbors. Maybe they are your neighbors. Verse 15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience and also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So I want to look, pay attention to this first part here first. They show that the work of law is written... of the, Work of the law is written on their hearts. What Paul was saying in this last verse, that sometimes Gentiles, they do what is right even though they don't have the law, it's because every human being, by nature of our creation, by, by virtue of our creation, have the law of God written on our hearts. Now this is different than whenever Paul said, well, well when Jeremiah says uh, that in the new covenant believers will have their the law written on their hearts. That's not the same thing. Uh, in, in the new covenant, believers have the law written on their hearts because we have the Holy Spirit within us helping us to live, empowering us to live. But here it, it's something different. We have two things that testify to us even before we're saved about the truth of God. One, it's creation, which chapter 1 talked about. Creation itself tells us that there is a God. It tells us something about God's moral standard. And then we also have, we're born. Every one of us is born in the image of God, knowing that there is a right and a wrong. And it takes a real searing of the conscience to, 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 to try to deny the existence of evil. Though some people try. Here's what I found. <laughs> they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. The, the sense of right and wrong that's inside of us, it bears witness. It testifies to us. 
We're going to stand before a judge one day. There is a right and a wrong, and we don't live up to it. Our conscience tells us that, even if we don't have the Holy Spirit. And then, he says, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or excuse them on that day. Now this, what day is it talking about? The day of judgment. So on the day of judgment, these, we're talking about unbelievers, I believe here. Unbelievers here who stand before God on the day of judgment and their thoughts will accuse them. When they stand before God, they'll have nowhere to run and they'll say, yes, God was right. I did do that. I did think that. Their own thoughts will accuse them on the judgment day. Or excuse them. They'll have conflicting thoughts there on the judgment day. On the one hand, they'll be, yep, God was right. I did those things. I deserve the punishment I'm going to get. On the other hand, they're going to say, well, it wasn't really that bad. Even on the day of judgment. They'll try to excuse themselves. Their conflicting thoughts accuse and excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Who will be the final judge on that day? Well, it's not me. God will be the judge. Each one of us, every human being alive, every human being that has ever lived will stand before God one day on a judgment day. And there's two observations I want to make about that day. One, Paul here says, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of the hearts of men. He doesn't say, according to the law, God judges the secrets of the hearts of men. He says, according to the gospel. So we can't just say, well, yeah, that was the Old Testament God and he was pretty mean, right? No, this is according to the gospel that we will stand before God as a judge one day. This is a New Testament reality that we will stand before God as a judge one day. The other thing is, judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ. Who will be the judge? Jesus will be the judge. And, you know, this time of the year, we just got done with Christmas. We think about Jesus as the baby that's in the manger, you know, and we think about gifts and how Jesus is the greatest gift and all that. And it's true. It's true. But Jesus is not just the greatest gift, but he will be the judge that we stand before. He will be the judge. And for believers, whenever we stand before God, Jesus will get off the judgment seat and stand and take His stand beside us as our advocate as well and say, this one's mine. 
So what are we to think between all, all of the things we've looked at today? I think there's really two main points that we need to get. One of them is God judges impartially. God, it, it, He does not play favorites. That is, I think, the first thing. And we saw that last week as well, but I think he expounds on that more in the first part of this. God judges impartially. He will be completely impartial when He judges. And I don't want to say fair. Because fair... uh, When you say God is fair, that rules out grace. If God is gracious, He's giving us what we don't deserve. And if He was fair, He'd give us what we deserve, right? But God is impartial. He doesn't play favorites on the basis of any category. Race, ethnicity, money, anything like that. Background, who our parents were, anything like that. He does not play favorites. He will judge based on, well, He will judge fairly. Enough. I just contradicted myself. He will judge righteously. The second thing I think we need to get out of this is every single one of us has the law of God written on our hearts. Both believer and unbeliever. One of the implications of, that, I think, of this, I think, is, is for evangelism. When we, when we try to share the gospel with other people, they might say, oh, well, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I don't accept the Bible. We need to have confidence that every single human being that God created has the law of God written on their hearts. And even if they deny it, even if they, as chapter 1 says, suppress the truth in unrighteousness, we can go to them and make an appeal to them because we know that the law of God is written on their hearts. And I think that gives us some, some, some confidence as we share the gospel with people. We know things about them that God made them, that they were made for fellowship with Him. We know things about them that they deny. And that gives us some confidence as we share. Second, the fact that every person is born with the knowledge of God innately. I think... uh, Again, this leaves us without any excuse. On the day of judgment, um, where we all stand before him, no one can say, oh, I just didn't know. I just didn't didn't know any better. Because God tells us, we did know. If we didn't have this book, we have this book. And we also have the book of nature that testifies to us. And it's enough. And then finally, while God judges impartially, and each one has the law of God written on their hearts from the moment we're born, I want to point us again to the gospel. Uh, let's 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 think a little bit more about verse chapter three verse twenty. In the end, by by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Each one of us is a sinner. 
We're broken. We have broken God's laws. We have offended God. And the only way out of this is trusting in Him. Trusting that His death on the cross was enough. That He paid our debt. Trust in Him. Look to Him. And He will not turn us away. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.